sign who's Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome to Adventist Voices, Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I am honored to be joined by my friend, editor of Spectrum magazine for over two decades, Bonnie Dwyer. Thanks for talking with us today. Hi, Alex. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Likewise, you and I are about to jump on some airplanes and fly across the United States to experience annual council once again, although it's going to be a little weird this year. So we'll be talking about that coming up. But before we do that, I want to mention that we are in the middle of the Grow the Vision fundraising campaign, and it's off to a great start. I mentioned this last week on the podcast and Our board and friends have been contributing and working hard to make this a success and and really continue the legacy of so many of Spectrum supporters over the decades, really. And I just wanted to mention that people can go to the website now. It'll look different than last week. We have some banner ads up for the Grow the Vision campaign which will take you directly to a video in which Bonnie and I talk about Spectrum's history and its future. And there's an opportunity for you to pledge. And like I mentioned last week, a generous donor has put up $100,000 as a matching fund. So if you haven't given recently, this is a chance for you to renew your subscription and really support the future of the website. And also one of the options you can give to is the Bonnie Dwyer Journalism Fund. (laughs) So um, I wanted to uh, jump into our discussion. And Bonnie, you have recently downloaded, finally it's appeared, the agenda for annual council. What was that experience like? (laughs) Well, Alex, the 104-page agenda for the annual council has the usual sections of um, upcoming uh, dates for meetings. There's there's a great big section on that and a list of all the members, and they're rewording the mission statement somewhat. And uh, so there's that. And then all the other things that they need to go through before the GC session next year. So you have been reporting on the General Conference Executive Committee and the annual council and fall meetings and GC sessions for quite a while. Um, what's your takeaway as you're looking at this? It's going to be a kind of a different event because of COVID and quarantine. It's going to be a hybrid event. So what's how is this different than what um, the church has experienced before? Well, 
like you say, it's going to be hybrid. So uh, the people that will be present for the meeting will only be um, from the GC building itself and from the division, the various division officers. So those over 300 union conference presidents who hold enormous uh, power within the organization will not be there. And the union conference presidents in the past have um, discussed how they have felt kind of a little distanced from what goes on because the the items for annual council always go through several different committees at the general conference before they actually make it to the agenda. Um, They're discussed and and, uh, vetted and, and kind of worked over, but it's worked over by this group at the general conference. And then all the union conference presidents usually show up and have this Uh, agenda spread before them, and then they're just asked to approve uh, what has taken place. And I think sometimes they um, feel like their contribution is more show than substance. Uh, And I don't know what um, the hybrid event is, if that will exacerbate that division between uh, the unions and the divisions themselves. Maybe not, I, you know, uh, who knows? And and maybe they've had enough consultations within their divisions. Maybe their division officers have had sufficient conversations with them so that they'll be just fine. Um, but that's, that's one thing I'm wondering uh, is what this hybrid event will do to the relationships between the levels of the organization. And then um, some of the things that one might have expected to be on the agenda, for instance, I I was thinking, oh, we're going to have a ton of stuff on church manual because every change that is made to the church manual has to be approved at annual council before it goes to GC and then it has to get approval at GC. Well, I think they must have gone through all the proposed changes um, back in 2019 as they were anticipating GC taking place in 2020. And so they've probably already done that vetting and, and so we're moving on. Um, so that's one thing that we won't be um, having to sit through this time around. You know, that's one thing. Uh, Another is we have had some news recently in Adventism. The Mid-America Division has um, allowed for women to be ordained to pastoral ministry. We have a kind of roiling um, controversy among some parts of the church over vaccination mandates and we also are supposed to be studying hermeneutics, uh, but none of that is really in the agenda as well. What is in the agenda? <laughs> well, um, I think one of the items that kind of surprised me 
um, is there's quite a lengthy uh, piece on um, the composition of college and university boards. And so um, they've um, added significantly to the working policy uh, the provisions of outlining what university boards are supposed to be doing. And um, this includes, uh, so it's, what is this, uh, four pages, and um, it has uh, something on the composition and structure of the university boards, and it is reinforcing the idea that uh, union and conference officials need to be on these boards. I think in some um, board restructuring, when uh, institutions have tried to uh, shrink down the size of the board to try and make it uh, a you know, a, a more functioning kind of board, maybe some of the kind of ex officio positions of, of conference presidents and so forth may have been what got scuttled. And I think this is the church saying, no, 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 you know, uh, we deserve to be represented on these boards. And then um, there's a list of duties of the board. And um, so they have um, various duties, not only um, appointing a president, which is always the major job of any board. I mean, that's that's their big chore is to choose the president and then help and support the president run the institution. Sure. But um, they're adding oversee processes for appointment and promotion of wow. other of other administrators, faculty, and staff uh, to assure the mission's belief and practices of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in institutional culture. Um, and um, financial uh, things, of course, um, to approve the initiation or closure of academic programs. Um, and to support uh, fundraising. And then they have a duty of loyalty to ensure that the institution's activities and transactions are first and foremost advancing its mission to recognize and disclose conflicts of interest and to make decisions that are in the best interest of the institution and its role in denominational structure. Um, they have a duty of good faith, and um, this is to act in the best interests of the institution to ensure that the institution complies with applicable laws and regulations, its own bylaws, denominational working policy and accreditation standards, to ensure adherence to the institution's stated mission, strategic goals, and objectives, to establish a policy-based governance system, and approve policies re related to programs and services in alignment with the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So um, there's a lot in there. Yeah. It's uh, like we need to be studying hermeneutics just to parse. <laughs> the hidden meanings of all of that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. It definitely sounds like they're calling for boards to be more involved in the micro areas on an academic campus. Yeah, it it is, um, you know, and um, yeah. So that's that's one thing that I would imagine will get discussion. But the people who would want to discuss this at length. I would think would be people from within the academic community, and there are very few of them uh, who will be present. Of course, union conference presidents are all on um, this uh, executive committee, but again, they won't be present. uh, And so it will be interesting to see what kind of discussion comes through over this this topic. I think it's going to be interesting watching and uh, reporting and also understanding the subtext of the comments that are there in person, but also coming through the, the virtual participants as well. Right. Uh, what else caught your eye as you were looking at the agenda? Well, and I haven't looked at this real closely, but there is uh Several, there are, excuse me, several items having to do with compliance policy. And I'm not sure. Uh, the old compliance word. Uh, yes, the old compliance <laughs> word. Now, um, I'm not sure whether it's all financial um, or if some of it is um, policy as opposed, in addition to uh, financial um well, I know you just downloaded it, so we haven't had a chance to go through it with a fine tooth comb, but I know that you'll be listening. Is there something that will kind of, you know, from your experience as we're looking at ways that it seems like there's an attention to governance, um, what will what will you be looking for if you start to see a direction um, expressed by some of the leaders? Well, the, there's one more item that I find kind of interesting, and that has to do with union missions, not union conferences, union missions. But it's uh, a policy change that makes the um, leader, the responsibility for choosing the leadership of union missions is being handed back to the divisions. So rather than the union executive committee, the union mission executive committee choosing its own leaders, those leaders will be selected by the division. And um, since I have not, um, you know, lived in a situation where there was a union mission. Um, I I feel like I probably shouldn't be trying to say one way or another, but it just seems to me that that the union missions just, if that gets passed, have lost a a, a measure of autonomy there. Well, I did spend a year in Bangladesh Uh, when I was a volunteer for ADRA back in the middle of my college experience, and it was the Bangladesh Union Mission. 
And I did notice some tensions between the president who was from Europe and the rest of the workers who were from Bangladesh and uh, that had to do with control, money, and the even the ethnic tensions that were in the Adventist church at the time. So I think this is uh, another example of globalization and the not only the tensions that we have about um, belief, but also uh, who actually uh, holds the levers of power in um, in, a, in a more local um, realization of this community. Yeah. Well, there there are divisions among us in in many different ways. <laughs> You know, we um, we are united in Christ and um, divided in many other ways. <laughs> That's so true. Well, um, this is not your first rodeo, and <laughs> you have um, become known for your reporting on annual council. Can you talk about a little bit of that experience? Reflect on. Um, why you go through the trouble of reading through uh, over a hundred pages of church agenda, and um, and and why? How did you start paying attention to um, annual council? Well, because the so many major decisions for the church are made at this point uh, at that meeting on a regular basis. It seems um, appropriate to talk about it and pay attention to it and um, discuss um, the way that it's being presented and, you know, just to understand our church family, you pay attention to what the church family is doing. So this is uh, an important meeting and The very first time I went to annual council was back in the 1980s. And um, (laughs) it was was not the best uh, of the meetings to have gone to. On the agenda at that meeting, um, there had been a disagreement between um, our editor, Roy Branson, at the time, And um, the GC president, Neil Wilson, our current president's father. Uh, And so there was tension um, between the organizations and and that spilled out into the meeting. And then one of the other items on the agenda had to do with women and women pastors. And uh, it also was a negative uh, kind of Thing. And, and so I remember walking out of it and just kind of shaking my head and kind of wondering what what I was doing at, at this meeting. Um, and in meetings since that time, there have been positive experiences and, and I have seen things and, and heard stories that have, you know, touched my heart and uh, just made me proud and, uh, of my church and all of that. Um, but then there have been the meetings in uh, between 2010 and 2015 
the meetings uh, during that time period, uh, each one of them ended up having some kind of an item on it that was extraordinarily controversial, uh, mostly to do with women's ordination and the unions that had approved uh, women's ordination. And so this item would be placed on the agenda, you know, kind of at the end. So so that everybody would stick around and be there for the controversial item. And then the auditorium would be packed and it would be a very high tension kind of a meeting. Uh, and um, it produced a lot of drama uh, and yeah. uh, brought a lot of, you know, it, in some ways it, it was good for our numbers because people were reading and, and, <laughs> wanting to to know about it but i don't know that it was um the best governance uh and if this is a meeting about governance maybe it should be a boring meeting as opposed to a dramatic meeting i don't know um but so but there oh. have and lights lots of different kinds of moments well, I think that's a really uh, interesting point, this tension between the theater of annual council and then the governance of annual council, as you put it. And, you know, so much of what attracts attention is controversy. The question is how much of that is drummed up or uh, uh, unnecessary uh, hmm. Uh, is it just to create a kind of sense that something is happening? So it makes people think that the leaders are doing, accomplishing something. Obviously, we've been through this worldwide pandemic, and so there's not as much activity, but it has been kind of quiet in Adventism. You know, we went through some very dramatic annual council meetings. I remember. You talking about being on a bus, we had uh, Ted Wilson in a beard, uh, then in a pilot's uniform. Uh, we had some questions about what sort of documents were released when and what was happening. And certainly all the votes about women's ordination and unions and punishing unions. But uh, recently things have been quiet. And I wonder if that's good for the church or... The quiet before the storm. Yeah, and and we'll we'll see. And storm. Uh, I'm going to use that to transition um, because the um, storm is somewhat the um, theme for the devotionals that are coming up, um, and the. Um, Dealing with times of storm is, is going to be addressed by um, a list of evangelists. So Sunday, Carlton Bird, um, who has just transitioned from being Breath of Life uh, speaker to being a conference president, will uh, give the devotional, and his title is Marching Orders. Then the next day, Doug Batchelor is um, going to 
speak on, I will go and make disciples. And that that's um, the theme for the week uh, of meetings. I will go make disciples. And um, then Omar Grieve from Lavas Ministries. And finally, Abner uh, Dizon, who is from Interfaith Services in the South African uh, Division, will do Are We Ready for Harvest? So um, that's a look at what the devotional topic will be. This, I, I just find um, the fact that the theme for the um, strategic plan for all these meetings during COVID has been, I will go uh, at a time when it is very difficult for anybody to go anywhere, which is why we're having a hybrid meeting. Um, but anyway. Well, I love the point you just made. And you and I debated about whether we will go out to uh, yeah. Silver Spring or not this year. And we decided we would, even if we're not present at the meetings, we want to be around the building and already by going, we're able to have some um, auxiliary conversations with folks and we'll be there. Uh, whether we're in the meetings themselves or talking about the meetings with people afterward, we'll be watching along with uh, some of you and uh, our church leaders and listening to what's said and reporting on it through our website, as always, Bonnie's uh, daily digests will be there, as well as on Twitter and also on uh, Instagram. We've been revitalizing our Instagram page. So if you have an account, make sure you check out Adventist Forum and see some of the stories that are going to appear there uh, next week. Um, it's always well, a pleasure. Oh, go ahead, Bonnie. Will Instagram be functioning next week? <laughs> we'll see. Yes. <laughs> Depending on the good graces of our Facebook overlords. <laughs> it's always a pleasure talking about church with you, Bonnie, because you bring both the journalist skeptic eye, but also the uh, believers, the faithful believers, um, optimistic hope. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, doing this with you again. Thanks, Alex. It should be lots of fun. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear.